Okay. Um, if you have a Bible with you, uh, please open said Bible to Acts chapter 20. Uh, we're in verses 17 through 31. I, I don't think a lot of people know this text. But I feel like this should be like one of the texts that gets memorized in churches. Like people should get, you know, like theme verse of my life, tattoos of it or whatever. Uh, maybe a banner next to that one of this one. It is not an encouraging text, by the way. Just to set some expectations. I doubt many of you are going to be very happy uh, during or after this sermon. This might be the happiest you are for the next little while is right now. Um, because uh, it, it's quite serious. Uh, we have to go into some serious subject matter. Um, but it is also really, really uh, uh, needed and really key. And, and one of the key texts in the book of Acts. And I think um, given our, our cultural moment in the church is, uh, is especially relevant. So let's pray before we begin. Father God, be with us now. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to accept. Give us the wisdom to receive and apply this text. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, for many years, I, uh, especially in my late 20s, early 30s, I really enjoyed the ministry of a guy named Ravi Zacharias. Now, Ravi Zacharias, he started Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, and, and it, was a, it was a ministry to intellectuals, right? He was... He was dropping references to Jean-Paul Sartre and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, it's right up my alley. And, and so he's, uh, if you couldn't tell by his name, was from India and became a Christian in, in like his teens or something like that. Went and studied at Oxford University under a, a professor named John Polkinghorne. And, um, and then went on to start Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, which became a very prominent uh, international ministry doing um, sharing the gospel in, in a very culturally aware aware way and in not just the West but but throughout you know Malaysia Singapore Thailand India and the rest of it and um, and he died uh, in in 2020 at, at the age of 77 and then we were all surprised by what started to come out after his death that this guy who I considered one of the good guys, so to speak, I didn't know him, but certainly appreciated his ministry. He never went to Oxford. He had never met John Polkinghorne. It was all made up. And, it, and far worse than that is that dozens of women came forward. You see, he was a co-owner of day spas around the Atlanta area, and he was being accused of literally thousands of instances of abuse of all kinds. As, as these accusations first came out, it became clear that the organization he had created had one mission, and that is protect Ravi Zacharias, dead or alive. Right? And so the women got attacked by the organization, their credibility, their character, all of that. And it, the accusations just came, kept mounting and mounting and mounting as there was an investigation done, even to the point where it turned out Ravi Zacharias for many years had taken 
funds that were set aside for the poor and set up several girlfriends around Thailand, Malaysia, and stuff like that with apartments in exchange for, you can imagine. I'll be honest with you. I still haven't recovered from this one. This bothered me so greatly because this is someone I respected, someone who, at all outward appearances, looked like someone who was a shepherd. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothes, but inwardly are ravening wolves. We have a major problem in the church with wolves, with predatory leaders. Untold damage has been done to the church by people who are leading out of self-interest, not out of a sincere heart to serve the church. That in, 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 instead of building people up, they're using people. They're using the ministry as an opportunity for predation, like Ravi Zacharias, or to build their own name, or to become someone important, to embezzle money, you name it. Lives have been shipwrecked. Families destroyed. Churches destroyed. Disrepute brought on the name of Christ. Like the credibility of the gospel as, as a world-changing, life-transforming, community-founding principle and, and, and truth of God, right? It, it gives people the reason to say, oh yeah? What about these schmoes? What about these guys who are so horrifically hypocritical? These shepherds who are actually wolves. There's no shortage of news headlines in recent years and even months of very, very prominent examples of what happens when you have wolves leading the flock. Now, up until this point with grace and peace, we have not been a church that would appeal, that would appeal very much to a predatory leader. There's not much to eat here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but as the church is growing, as we're kind of entering a new phase, uh, like, don't... Yeah, no, I'm just going to leave the teeth in this. We're in real danger. We need to be increasingly vigilant for predatory leaders. Because this is the time in a church's development when you might start to get some. Now, I am going to do things the way I don't like to do them. I'm going to skip down in the text and give you the main message. Usually I like to start at the first verse and go second, third. You get it what sequential is, but this is going to be slightly insequential because I, I want you to see what Paul is really, really concerned about in this text in Acts chapter 20. He's speaking to the elders of the church at Ephesus. Take a look with me first at verse 17, just so we can get what's going on. It says, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. Okay, so what's going on? Paul is wrapping up his third missionary journey. He cannot go to Ephesus because he's like a wanted man in Ephesus. But he spent three years in Ephesus. That's the longest Paul spent anywhere. And so he's close to these elders. So he goes down the coast to a town called Miletus, where he's an unknown, and he calls these elders to them. 
He is, from here on out, Paul is in chains in the book of Acts. And this is his last opportunity to give a message, to give a charge, to give a word to these elders that are in charge of this church that means a lot to Paul. And here is the heart of the message in verse 28. Like I said, we're skipping, but then we're going to go back and pick up the rest. Look with me at verse 28. He, said, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So he's giving these elders a charge, saying, guard the flock, care for the flock. Why? Because Jesus bought it with his own blood. The church is immensely precious to God. I've never bought anything with my own blood. But if I stub a toe obtaining something, I'm probably going to hang on to that thing for the rest of my life. Right? Like, it cost me a stubbed toe, right? This cost Christ his own blood. And so they are to guard the church. Now, when it says shepherd the church, I, I, I want to unconfuse us about the term shepherding. All right? A lot of the time in, in sort of like church talk, when we say shepherding, we mean like soul care. They're a shepherd. They're someone who I can go talk to about my problems. Now, Please continue to use it that way, but that's not the way it's used in the New Testament. In the New Testament, shepherding means protecting the people of God from false teaching and, and abusive practices. And if you think about what an ancient shepherd was, like sheep didn't tell the shepherd their feelings. They were there for one reason, keep the sheep safe. Like a shepherd was not some like chill, doddering old guy with a pipe. You, you know what the job description of a shepherd was? single combat with bears. If you could not take on a bear mono e oso, <laughs> you could not be a shepherd. Shepherds were tough. Shepherds started revolutions, right? That is the idea of what he's saying. He's saying guard the church. And, and, and so how does this speech to the uh, elders of Ephesus, why does it apply to us? Well, we remember that Acts is in ancient history. And in ancient history, does two things. One, it catalogs events. That's part of it. And does so accurately. But it's also there to guide future generations. So if this is written to the... This is the only speech that Paul gives to Christians in the book of Acts. Okay? And it's to elders. So do you think it might be relevant for elders, leaders and the people who pick elders in the future. Yeah, you better believe it. This is, this is directly applicable for us. So what does he want them to guard against? So if Jesus loves the church and he wants them to guard, what, is it, what does he want them to guard it against? Look at verse 29. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now, the image of shepherd and wolf has a long tradition in the Bible. Jesus talked about it. Uh, the prophet Ezekiel talked about it. And what a wolf is, is someone who's supposed to be a shepherd of God's people, who instead is leading in an exploitative and predatory way. Instead of building people up, tearing them down. Instead of protecting the poor, exploiting the poor. You get the idea? So the, the main point of the text is that because Jesus loves the church, we are to guard it 
from predatory leaders. I told you this wasn't that cheerful. So how do we do it? How do we guard from predatory leaders? Now we're going to back up and pick up all of what Paul says. The first thing he does is he shows them or reminds them what a shepherd looks like. Look with me at verse 19, or verse 18. He says, when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. So it's like, I've been with you guys for three years. You saw my example. And, and he reminds them, verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. So first of all, he served humbly. Second of all, he served faithfully even when he was persecuted. Continuing on, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. So he's saying, hey, I was getting persecuted. I kept preaching in public and I was dedicated. I was going house to house if I had to. Verse 21, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, that and now behold is a, if you weren't paying attention, pay attention now. Now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. Meaning, he did his job to the utmost. That's what a shepherd looks like. They don't lead in a self-interested way. He led humbly. He, he, he faithfully preached the gospel even when persecution broke out. He was dedicated, declaring to them the whole counsel of God. And now he is going knowingly and willingly into more persecution, into imprisonment, as long as he gets an opportunity to share the gospel. That's what a shepherd looks like. Not the person on Instagram wearing Yeezys. Right? It's the one who doesn't lead God's people for self-interest. It's the one who answers the call, who loves the church that Jesus died for. The first way that we need to guard against predatory leaders is to follow shepherds instead of wolves. I listened to uh, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. I've referred to it a few times. I don't know if anybody else has gone out and checked that thing out, but... Uh, it's a doozy, but it's good to listen to. And, and there's a whole intro, you know, how they do with, they, they pull quotes from people and play them, and you're like, oh, this is impactful. Well, there's one quote in there that they never actually addressed in the entire program, but I thought was the million-dollar question. He said that whoever it is said, why do we have a culture of church members who prefer a narcissist in leadership? Right? I'm not saying that's you guys, because that would have bad implications for me. <laughs> but it's a, it's a frequent occurrence, right? That people are willing to follow wolves. Do you know how much grief and pain we could save the church, we could save people, we could keep people, like, like, like 
kids needing to, to, to what do they call it, deconstruct and all that. If we could just follow shepherds instead of wolves. Right? I, I've heard so many terrible reasons for why someone should be a leader in the church. How oh, this guy has a PhD. He used to be a seminary professor. Surely he should be an elder. He should lead a community group. Well, it's not a disqualification, certainly. But I've known people of that description who had no character, who were destructive, disruptive, who were predatory, even though they had bad skills with that stuff. That's not a reason that someone should be a shepherd. Oh, this lady, she's rich, started her own business, has tons of employees. Surely she should be in leadership in the church. Again, not a disqualification, good for her. But that says nothing about her character. If she's suited, if she has the the humility, the faithfulness, the ability to raise other people up that we see Paul outlining in his example. This guy, he's he's like got CEO skills and like super dynamic leader. If someone says dynamic leader ever again, I'm just, I'm grabbing a bat. As a dynamic leader, this is who you want, right? Like one day I'm gone, guys. I'm not going to be the pastor of this church forever. We hope that this church lasts 120 years. I'm not living. I mean, yeah, that's not happening. So that means there has to come pastors after me. And the mistake to make, oh, this person's a dynamic leader. Nothing wrong with being a dynamic leader. Nothing wrong with having skills. But do they have character? Character is the qualification of a shepherd, not just the skills. And often it's like, well, they got the skills. They're good at stuff. That's who we should follow. And you hope to God they have character, right? As opposed to character is the thing we're looking for. And then skills. We need to follow shepherds instead of wolves. But there's another key thing. It's to know where to watch for wolves. Here's why this is important. If you you look in the wrong place, it's actually like worse than not looking at all sometimes. So um, my, uh, my daughter, Frankie... She's my number three. She's quite the jokester. And we've had a years-long game called Little Ninja. And this is a game I never chose to play. Uh, but basically, it works like this. I come home from work. I open the door. I put down my bag. And as I close the door behind me, she, she's been hiding behind the door. She jumps out and screams, Little Ninja! And it startles me, right? And she... Somehow remembers, oh, I hear dad coming in. I'm going to get behind the door. Like, it's, it's not every time or else I would predict it. Like, she's really good at this. So one time I was coming in the back because I had ridden my bike. I put my bike away and I walked in the back. And my son was standing there and he was just looking at me. I was like, what are you looking at me for? He's like, no reason. And I was just like, like pondering, why is my son looking at me funny? And I was like kind of, you know, like really focused on that. And, like, for it was several seconds of this, and I was just confused. And out of nowhere, little ninja, right? The, and it was the worst little ninja ever. I actually was like, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> like, like, because I was focused in the wrong place. I was looking here. What's going on over here? I didn't know a little ninja was about to get me from behind, which... It's a shame that there aren't actual ninjas anymore, because I think my kid would qualify. <laughs> If we focus in the wrong place, if we look for wolves in the wrong place, we're going to miss where they are. Okay? We need to know where to watch for wolves. What does Paul tell us 
Well, uh, picking up, remember we've, we've covered all the way through verse 29, and he, he says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. He, and look at what he says next, and this bothers me in verse 30. From among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. So where are the wolves? They're not outside. It's not his opponents. It's not the Roman government. It's inside. It's people who are going to rise up from within the church and be predatory leaders. Look at verse 31. He says, therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one of you with tears. You hear how much this means to Paul? He said, for the past three years I've been telling you about this. I'm never going to see you again. Don't forget this. Of all the things he could say right now, this is what he chooses to say. Watch out for the predatory leaders. Watch out for the wolves in the church. Now, do we need some sort of culture of like paranoia? No. But it is, we'd be foolish to say, well, it could never happen here. There's no one in our church that could ever do that. I mean, I'm looking at some of you guys. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. And this one's even worse. You know where else we need to watch for wolves? Look at verse 28 with me. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. The Greek could literal, literally be translated, watch yourself. Where we need to look for wolves. Especially, I speak especially to leaders right now, current leaders. Let's watch inside. This is for me, right? Like, don't hear this the wrong way. But I am potentially the biggest threat to the health of this church if I don't watch myself. We pay a ton of attention in the church, like, oh, protect the church from the left and the right, protect it from the government, protect it from the culture. Protect it from, you know, uh, unbelievers. Protect it from other traditions that are so wrong about the Bible. What does Paul say we need to do? Watch out within. Now, again, that doesn't mean we need to have some sort of like, you know, like East German surveillance state or something like that. But we, what we do need to do is we need to set up a system of leadership that predatory leaders hate. A system that has submission. If you're a leader, you have to submit. That'll get rid of most predatory leaders right there. A, a, a system with real accountability, with checks and balances, with dispersed authority. And I'm saying this for me, too. Right? We, we, we need to make sure that we have real oversight, that we have real responsibility and accountability. And also, we need to keep watching ourselves. I, I want you guys to know that I, I take being a pastor extremely seriously. When I was in seminary, I read the words of Jesus where he said, if anyone were to lead one of these children astray, does anybody know the rest? It would be better for him to tie a millstone around his neck. A millstone was not a small stone, in case you're wondering. <laughs> and jump into the deepest part of the ocean. And I said, noted. <laughs> I have no shenanigans with Jesus. I am going to do my darndest. So I, I can honestly say that to this point, right, I've always taken it very, very seriously. But the moment I say I could never be a wolf, 
is the first step towards being one. Awareness of my own sin, awareness of my own weakness, awareness of the possibility of my own temptation, and other leaders as well, and other potential leaders, is really, really key. Right? Like, like I, many, many wolves began as shepherds. So we need to know where to watch for wolves. So we need to follow shepherds, not wolves. We need to, we need to know where to watch for wolves. And, and that, but then there's a really tricky part in, in watching out for predatory leaders and watching for wolves. It's that often predatory leaders look a lot like good leaders. I'm going to show you two pictures. One is this scarlet king snake. The other is the coral snake. Kevin could tell us the difference of hues here. The scarlet king snake is deadly. One bite deadly to a grown man. The coral snake, not deadly. Keeps rodent populations down. One, you wouldn't mind being in your backyard. The other, you're chasing that thing out or you're running the other direction, correct? So, telling the difference between this and that is life and death. Who's confident that they can? Anybody see the difference? Show us again. There you go. There's the other. So you see that in the wild? One way to find out, wait till it bites you. If you uh, start feeling a little, a little drowsy, there's a scarlet king snake. Oh, and by the way, these, these are in the southeast United States. So just uh, throw that in there if you're thinking about moving back. <laughs> there's an old uh, little rhyme. Red on yellow, kill a fellow. The other one, yellow on black, friend of Jack. All right, so if there's a red face on a yellow head, it is, go ahead. Red on yellow, that's the scarlet king snake, kill a fellow. The other one, the yellow band on the black head, yellow on black, friend of Jack. Now can you tell? You're welcome, we'll see what lives around here, guys. <laughs> All right, so at first, when you don't know what to look for, you're like, I'm basically a gutter if I run into that. But now that you know, yellow on black, if it doesn't have a, a black head with a yellow band, then get away, right? That is not the coral snake. It is the same. Predatory leaders often look like good leaders. They do a lot of the same things. They step up and take responsibility. And a good leader does that. They can very persuasively cast a vision. A good leader does that. They get people to follow them. Right? Predatory leaders do that and good leaders do that. And you'd make a mistake if you said, hey, well, hey, this, this person's taking responsibility. People follow them. We need to watch out. Maybe. But you also might, uh, might miss out on a good leader to follow or to, to, to lead in the church, Right? So it's really important that we know how to tell the difference between a predatory leader and a shepherd. Because they, 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 they don't always look all that different. 
Because one is going to destroy the church, and the other is going to control rodent population. So how can we tell the difference? Well, look with me at verse, uh, at verse 30, or verse 29, rather. Paul tells us that I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. The first way you know a wolf from a shepherd is wolves eat people, eat sheep rather. Okay. Does someone lead in a way that benefits themselves and tears everybody else down? Do you see people flourishing under their leadership, growing in Christ? Do you see them being cared for or do you see them being exploited and used for the leader's ends? That's one of the big, big differences is what's the result of their leadership? Is it eating people? Is it causing chaos? Is it, is it damaging relationships? Or is it leading people closer to Christ? Right? How do they lead? Do they lead in a way that builds people up or wears people out? Okay. Also, you will know a wolf because they distort the truth. Look with me at, uh, at verse 30. He says, And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things. The NIV gets, gets the sense right when it says that who will distort the truth. All right? So a wolf is not going to get up and be like, The Bible's untrue. They're going to twist the truth. They're going to distort it. It'll sound somewhat like the truth, but it'll be distorted. Making sense? So, so for instance, they may focus on just a couple of Bible verses that prove their point. Right? Some, some leaders, it's like they'll emphasize the texts that are like, obey the pastor, listen to the pastor, authority of the pastor. And it's like, I notice you say that a lot. You don't say anything about the other texts around it. Or they'll switch up the Bible to make it more, like, consumer-friendly. Leave things out that are hard. That's a distortion of the truth. Okay? So that's another way that you will know a wolf. They are not, as Paul says, declaring the whole counsel of God. And, and this one's really key as well. Look with me again at verse 30. 30 um, yeah, verse 30. See, brain fog. He says, from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. This is really one of the easiest hallmarks to see, is that a predatory leader does not lead to Christ. They lead where? To themselves. Because that's why they're actually in it. They're, they're interested in what they can get out. They're not interested in leading people to Christ they're not interesting, interested in building up other leaders. They want everything going towards themselves. We need to learn to recognize wolves. How does someone lead? Is it eating people? Are they destroying relationships? Does there seem to be chaos and burnout that follows them? Do they care about the people they lead? Do they give credit to other leaders? These are all key. Do they distort the truth? Right? Are they, are they, do you get the sense that they are trying to just lay out the word of God as it is? Or are they trying to spin things to their own advantage, to be liked, 
and do they lead to themselves? Like, beware, beware the person who says, I'm the only one who gets this. I'm the only one who gets the Bible. I'm the only one who gets the gospel. I'm the only one who gets the culture. No other church does it like we do. Beware that. That's someone leading to themselves. Beware the one who says things like, follow me on Twitter. <laughs> that, is, that is leading to yourself. Listen, Jesus loves the church. We need to protect it from wolves. We need to follow shepherds. We need to know where to look for wolves and how to recognize wolves. It's kind of like, um, like, has everyone seen Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or read the book? Can I speak openly about the ending? Am I going to spoil this for anybody? No? Okay, great, that you had your chance. So remember, like, the whole point of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is all the other children were only interested in what could they get out what could this chocolate factory give me? And what was Willy Wonka trying to find? He was trying to find the one who would take over his chocolate factory, who would love it like he did. So remember that the, Mr. Slugworth gives Charlie the ever, uh, tells him to, to, to steal the everlasting gobstopper so that, so that he can, you know, and he'll give him money for it, right? And when Charlie says, I don't even want that, Charlie wasn't interested in what he could take out of the, of the chocolate factory. He just loved the chocolate factory. He loved it like Willy Wonka did. That's the idea here. Is that Jesus laid down his life. He shed his blood for the church. He loved you and me in an unself-interested way. And that's the way he wants his church led. He is looking for his Charlies. Not the people who are like, I could get reputation here. I could get glory here. People will respect me. I could, it's an opportunity for all kinds of things that are going to give me something I want. That's a wolf. That's a predatory leader. That's Augustus Gloop and Violet Beauregard. Okay? Christ loves the church. We need to protect it from predatory leaders. Please pray with me. God, I pray that you would protect us that you would protect me from my own sin, that you would, you would give us watchfulness, an appropriate watchfulness, confidence that your grace is going to guide us, and also a, a, a very serious, um, a serious and healthy caution about following leaders that are not meant to be shepherds of your church. I pray that you would continue to give us great leaders like we've had. I pray, God, that this could be a church that continues to raise up new shepherds for your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.